Restoration What is Up. I'm coming to you from a coffee shop, as you will often find me in the mornings. And just want to let you know as you jump into this podcast that this is going to be a little different. We did uh, a more interactive service with a whiteboard, and we took our passage of Scripture and kind of built the sermon together uh, as an active community. It was just trying something new as a community. It was awesome. But there are times where I'm writing on the board. There are times when people are talking. So as you're listening to this, it may sound a little different. And if you want to see the whole visual experience of it, you can go to our Facebook page and watch our live stream. That's facebook.com slash restorationlex. You can also find all the resources that you need for this week at restorationlex.com slash this week. All right, guys. Enjoy. Well, so we were... Preparing for this week and looking at this uh, scripture we're looking at today. Um, This is one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. Psalm 23. It's our lectionary passage we're just singing from today. Um, And and it hit me that instead of maybe coming up and preaching like I normally do... um, you know, the idea being we come and we give the right information about God and then we go home and we have this knowledge about it or whatnot. And sometimes it's not the information, it's the formation, it's how we're formed, it's how we take these scriptures into our minds and into our lives and into our bodies together. So instead of just preaching on Psalm 23 today, I wanted to enter into the scriptures together and try something totally different that I've never done in 19 years of ministry, and I know that makes you nervous. Um, And if that makes you nervous, good, I guess. I guess. Um, So here's what we're going to do. We're going to begin today with the practice of Lectio Divina, which is this idea of praying the scriptures. And so I'm going to first... And you're going to join me in reading this out loud together. And then we're going to take a few moments just to be still, be quiet, to reflect. And then I'm going to read it again and just have you guys listen to these words. And the point of this, that we've done this, you know, as a church for thousands of years now. The point of this is to immerse ourselves in not just the knowledge, but in the words that are being spoken and pray these together. So with me on the screen here. I'm going to get out of the way here. Let's read this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And let's just take a few moments. Just close our eyes. Just in stillness. Just to be still and Listen and think on these words together.
it again and just listen. Receive. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for my, for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, your word is living and active not because it's a special magic book, but because you, God, are living and active. And by your spirit, you speak and you shape and you form us into persons, into a people to become more and more like Jesus. And I pray that as we work through this together, as we look to your word today, that happens. You break that wall of performer and audience and together as one people we come to your word and are changed so speak to us today in the name of Jesus Amen Amen. Alright so let's write a sermon together Alright I wanted to try something different today we're sitting at tables and this, if this is like the bride and the groom, the, nobody likes the groom's family over here. Everybody's over here. That's the, y'all, we need to get some, somebody put over here. There's some more tubbles on that side. Okay, thanks. It's warmer over there too. That's good. So Psalm 23, well, I wanted to take an opportunity, a risk today, honestly. And this is a passage of scripture that is known by people even outside of the church You've probably heard it at almost every single funeral you've ever been to, right? This is David's Don't Stop Believing." This is his biggest hit. It's what he's closing with at the concert, right? We have heard this so much. And so instead of just preaching what this says, why don't we together look at this passage and figure out what God is saying as we look to it. So as we're doing this, Understanding how we move towards Scripture itself is where we begin. So you want to ask some particular questions as you're doing this, as you're looking at these words. First of all, who is the author? Which, by the way, quickly, it's going to be okay to interact today, okay? Introverts, I know that scares the heck out of you. I get it. I'm one of you. So extroverts, give us some help here, too. So, who is the author of this passage? Anybody know who wrote Psalm 23? David. Yes, David wrote it. So, King David, this is the context of the writer of this passage. Secondly, this is a different kind of question. What genre would you say is this? It's poetry. It's song. And so, why does that matter when we're studying the scriptures? It matters because 
When we're hearing these words, we need to hear them as the author intended them to do it. When you read Robert Frost, on, you know, and he's talking about, uh, I took the road less traveled through the wood, the point of that poem is not to figure out what road it is and go find it. The Bible, especially poems like this, are not meant to be scientific textbooks. Another example as well. It is a poem we're meant to understand and interact with it as a poem. Always important knowing the genre with that. Third, what is the context? This is written in Hebrew by and for a Jewish audience in an ancient Near Eastern culture, meaning when we read this, it's written to a people that is very, very different from our modern American world. One of the ways we abuse the Bible most is taking verses outside of their cultural context, outside of their actual context within the scriptures, and making them mean something that they don't. How many of you have seen that happen before? Taking little bitty bits out, and then they make it look like it means something that as you see it in the full picture, it definitely does not mean that. Those three questions help us kind of come to a better understanding of what is happening, but then understanding how it forms us. There are some other questions we will ask as well. First, what are the through lines and the themes? In other words, where do you see this in Scripture otherwise? How does this continue a theme moving forward as these words make their way into the Scriptures? There's often these threads woven through the Bible where you see things connecting in ways when you begin to do it as well. And then, then finally, and this is absolutely essential when we're studying the Scriptures together, is how is it pointing to Jesus? Remember, we don't just read the Bible to understand Jesus. We read Jesus to understand the Bible. Jesus is how we interpret Scripture. Everything in God's story is pointing to Jesus, is interpreted through Jesus. So as we read everything in the Bible, we're asking ourselves, how does this point to him? How does the Scripture communicate that longing for a savior how is it foreshadowing his coming and what his kingdom will bring so that's kind of the basic foundation of how we do this together and now i'm going to do something i've never done before i'm going to roll a whiteboard out here so get ready for this <laughs> teachers how excited are you there's a few of you in here. Maybe this brings back some terrible memories. Oh, that's good to know. I forgot how to spell long before that. So as we look at this together, as we're thinking through this, we have Psalm 23 back on the screen. We also have some handouts there that have this here for you. So we're going to work through this as a community and get our sermon together instead of just having one strange, bold, white guy telling you what it says. Sound good? All right, so first of all, we see the first line is what? The Lord is my shepherd. Now, can anybody, if you don't have any Bible knowledge or anything like that, anywhere else in the scripture where you see the concept, now you got me freaked out about spelling. There we go. 
Any other places in Scripture you can think of where it talks about a shepherd or sheep? Anybody? David is a shepherd. There we go. We got David. The birth of Jesus. Jesus is the good shepherd. Lost sheep. Man, you guys are killing it. Lost sheep. Moses in the wilderness. Yes, tons and tons of things. And so as we're working through this, we have all of this context. When the Bible is saying the Lord is my shepherd, he's not just saying the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23. He's connecting to all of these different places as we learn the larger story. Now, second question here we have is, what does a shepherd do? Protect. Guide. Oversee. What else? Feed. That's important. Care. Leads. That's a big one. Huh? Comfort. Yeah, that's plenty of stuff right there. And so immediately we're thinking this is the context of the larger scripture we have here. And then we're looking at the theme and the through line of where we see this forward. How he protects and guides. Right away, we're going into this song of David with the idea of how it's speaking to us. It's something universal then that's not just a story that's happening in the scriptures. It's asking questions that whether we're religious or non-religious, all of us are asking these sort of questions. Are we being led through life or are we on our own? Do we have any sense of guidance in our life whatsoever, or are we just basically taking it on our own or feeling like we're left on our own? This is a deeply human question, isn't it? You don't have to be religious to wonder if as I walk through all of my confusion and needs and fears and failures, is there anyone that is guiding me? Is there anyone that is pushing me forward towards something good? I mean, if that's not the case, if God is this clockmaker that just sits up in the sky and sets everything out and never gets involved and we're just on our own, that's a pretty bleak version of Christianity, right? We want to know, our neighbors want to know, are we being led? And are we being led into something good? David wants us to know, first and foremost, that first line here, God is my shepherd. God is not back home, safe and sound, not in the field. God is in the middle of where I am. God is my shepherd. So the question begins for us then, as we think this through, do I know God as my shepherd? Do I know God in his leadership in my own life? Am I sensing day in and day out as I am confused and have questions about my future and even my present, do I know the leading and guidance and care of God? That's a question we're being asked. And so if, if this is how we understand where we begin in this. The first time in this passage, we're looking at this, where God is spoken of directly, or spoken to directly, not just spoken about, is verse 4. It says, even though 
I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You are with me. At the center of this psalm, we have God's presence. At the center of what we are seeing and learning about what it means that God is our shepherd, we first know that what that is foundationally built upon is that God is present with us, and not just present with us when things are great. God is present with us when things are hard and awful and confusing and difficult. The shepherd leads us by being present, not by being absent. How many of you have been through a season or are going through a season currently that feels like a very dark valley. It feels like, to use the term that many of our translations have said, the valley of the shadow of death. When you've experienced the nearness of evil, when you have seen and looked and found injustice all around you, it says that God is with us in this. That God is present it does not ask us, it does not ask you and me to say, you know, this fear is not real. Evil is not real. What you're facing is not real. It's an illusion. It's, it's, you need to over-spiritualize it away, say, have more faith and all that fear and bad stuff and confusion will go away. It's not asking us to do that. It's saying, I will fear no evil because the shepherd is with me. The one who leads, guides, and directs is that's happening there in the beginning of verse 4. He is with us and he is for us. And everything that we see today in this passage as we're writing this sermon together here is flowing out of God's presence. Now, as we move forward into this, there's more promises here. Verse 3 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for my namesake, for his namesake. Those three words, I lack nothing. How many people here lack nothing today? You got everything you need. You're good. So obviously, this must mean something more than I have everything. I lack nothing doesn't mean I have everything. I like nothing means we have everything we need. And it's saying this right before it's saying I'm walking through the valley. But I lack nothing. Because as he leads me into these quiet waters and green pastures, that represents to us what? Abundance. How can you say I have abundance in a dark valley? How can you say I have enough in a dark valley? Because out of God's presence, we see, as we begin here, moving non-linear here, we see God's provision. Because the shepherd is present, he provides, even in the darkest of valleys. But there's more to the presence of God as a shepherd. It says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Cultural context here, shepherds carry two tools typically. A rod, which is this short staff. It's kind of like a, something you beat stuff with, basically. You beat off the predators. You, you know, when you have wolves and things like that, you have something that's the, the weapon to fight them off. 
And then the staff is a long wooden staff that has a hook on it. You've probably seen this before with shepherds. And they use that when sheep inevitably find themselves in places they should not be to bring them out. And so God, in being present and in providing, not only protects us from our enemies, protects us from those who are coming against us with the rod, but also the staff, he's protecting us from who? From ourselves. (laughs) How many of you have ever needed God to protect you from yourself as much as you've needed him to protect you from the enemies around you? The writer says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me because I know that as I wander and inevitably screw up and fail, God is protecting me from the enemies that are coming against me and protecting me from all of the ways that I need protecting from myself. And to the writer of this psalm, to David, that is comfort. And it speaks to not only God's presence and his provision, it speaks to, as we move to verse 5, his protection. That God is, in being present, protecting us from the enemy and from ourselves. It says, you make a table for me in the presence of my enemies, meaning I can sit and be still I can rest and eat and be restored knowing that the enemies are all around me. I have that much confidence in my ability to slow down and to rest and to receive, even knowing what's around me, because that's how much confidence I have in my shepherd to protect me. That the enemies that aren't an illusion cannot touch me. I can rest presence of the shepherd. David closes, it says, surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Follow me in the the Hebrew literally means here to pursue, meaning God's goodness and love, his steadfast said love, they're not passive. We don't have to go looking for God's goodness and looking for God's love for us. It's actually running after us. God is pursuing you and pursuing me with goodness. Pursuing you and pursuing me with love. I often get it backwards. I think that God is good and God is love, but it's my responsibility to go out and find it because he's hidden it somewhere. It exists but it's something that I have to earn or find on my own. The psalmist reminds us that the absolute opposite is true. And that's good news for wandering, weary sheep, that goodness and love are already running after you, are already running towards you, are already pursuing you because the shepherd is present. I can know that when I'm weary, God is pursuing me. I can know that when I have questions and doubts and don't know what I believe anymore, God is pursuing me. I can know that when I have no idea where my future is going, God is pursuing me. Not because of what I have done, but because that's who the good shepherd is. 
And he does this by being present with us ultimately in Jesus. John 10.10, you probably heard this verse before. It says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I come that you may have life and have it to the full. Very next verse, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Elsewhere in John, it says, I am the gate or I am the door, which is a really weird, it's one we always skip over because why would Jesus say, I am the gate? And it's because in the sheep pens that they used to have in the ancient world, there was an open area in which you could get the sheep in and let them come out, but they did not put a door there. And what the shepherd would typically do was literally sit his body down in the doorway to be the protection for the sheep. Meaning, I'm the way in and I am the way out, and I will literally lay down my life to make sure that the enemy cannot come and take you away. I am the good shepherd. I lay down my life for the sheep. Meaning that we can overcome the scarcity and move into abundance, not because of how much we have, but because of who is actually with us. Because when he's with us, we have everything we need. Now, what does that mean then for our stories? How do we respond to what God is speaking in a psalm like this? I I think it is around this idea of presence and provision and, and protection. Meaning if we pull back and look at our stories and just take this on a very personal level from a personal place, looking at our past and looking at our present, looking at how God has been present in places, looking at how God has protected us and has provided for us. And so if you're here today and you remember as we move into worship here in a second, if you remember a moment where God has provided for you, praise him. If you remember how God protected you from something or someone in a season of life today, as we respond to what the Lord is saying, praise Him. Let's think about this today as we began the church in 2017. There's so much looking back that God protected me and protected us from. So much. I praise Him for that. If you can think of a time when God was present when you had no way otherwise of knowing. Praise Him. Or maybe, maybe there's right where you're at and there's a way you need God to provide. There's something that you have actual need and you need the Good Shepherd to come through for you. Or maybe there is protection. You're feeling the nearness of evil The nearness of injustice, the nearness of the threats of the enemy around you. And right now, you need God's protection and presence in your life. How we come to the scriptures is not just in knowledge as God speaks to them, but how we respond in light of this in our life. And so, I just want to be just straight up crazy bold here and just say, how many of you would just like to offer up this morning something extroverts. How many of you would just share something, a way that God has provided for you in the years past that we can praise him for? I'll start. 
years back, our community group got together when our car broke down and bought us a van. God provided. Who else? Yeah. Amen. Or maybe God has protected you or been present in something. Anybody share share something? Heal it. God is present and work. <laughs> oh. What else? And I remember, I remember those seasons of walking through that before that. Looking and looking and looking. Awesome. Right on. Right on. It's awesome. There can be story after story after story. And I won't make you, if you need or you have those needs of provision or protection right now, share those. But I know there are stories in this room right now where you are asking God to provide. And you are asking God to come through and protect. And you are asking God to be present where he doesn't feel like he's present. And so the reason we do this is not just to have some sort of gimmick with a whiteboard. It's because when we come to the scriptures, the goal of a day like today, whether there's teaching like this or I'm just preaching, is when the word is spoken by God, our job is not just to take the right information about Psalm 23 home and think, oh, I understand that a little better by now, even though that's good. The goal is to hear what God is speaking 
in the context of our own journeys and respond to him as we come together as a family. So that's what we're doing today. As we close, as Hannah and Michael come, we're going to respond in worship through communion and through song. And what I would encourage you to do is not just sit here passively in a room like this and receive. God protected right there. Table almost fell. That was, that was a ninja-like catch there. Very impressive. The goal here as we come together is not just to, just to sit and to be passive and to take the elements and to hear. The goal is where you are right now, respond to what God is saying in his word, by his spirit, as we gather together. So these elements, weekly we take them, remembering Jesus' protection provision and presence by and through his body and blood for us. We take this in remembrance of him and all he has done for us. We have elements right up here in front. There's some on the table outside. We'd encourage you to come and receive that together. But as we do, we're going to pray and then respond to what the Lord is saying. We'll be in the back as always. If we can pray with you about anything that's going on, we'd love to do that. If you want to praise what God has done in your story today, do it. If you're crying out to him, do it. Cry out and ask him for his protection and provision as we respond. So, Lord, thank you that you are a good shepherd. Thank you, knowing how wandering and tired and weary life can get, that there is one who goes before us, that there is one who already knows the way because he's walking on our behalf. And so, Lord, we ask you for your protection and your provision. We ask you, knowing you're already present and at work, would you settle our hearts and spirits in confidence and knowing that you're already doing that. That as we take these elements today, remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus, that goodness and love are already running after us, we can just sit and receive what you're bringing to us today because of what Jesus has done. So Lord, we thank you. We respond to you.